Blog Talk Radio. seems as if uh, we're always in an election cycle of some sort with uh, candidates announcing their intentions really right after the previous campaign ended. And while campaigns for higher profile positions at the state and federal level get the majority of the attention from news outlets, uh, local municipal elections tend to operate under the radar, uh, certainly much more so. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and those local elections will be our focus today. We're going to discuss the process for securing a spot on a local ballot and then potentially withstanding the ever more frequent challenges to candidacy that may occur. Joining me today is Lavelle Law Attorney Joe Vito, who is the current uh, 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 representative for Lavelle Law on on, uh, a new practice group that we're going to talk about today. He has, in this season, already represented several candidates before various election boards to defend their candidacy. So a lot to talk about. Uh, Joe, good afternoon. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Uh, you know, we'd be very supportive of these uh, men and women who are willing to serve as elected officials. You know very well the time it takes, and um, you know their li- their actions impact our lives much more directly in, in many cases than federal officials. When we talk about taxes and things that affect our hometown, um, when someone wants to throw their hat in the ring here, so to speak, they want to run for a local office. What what sort of formal process do they need to follow? Yeah, well, the formal process is what. Um is often kind of colloquial, colloquially or you know, commonly referred to as a, a petition packet. And there are several parts, mm-hmm. uh, components of that petition packet that, that are mandatory. And getting that together is really the crux uh, of getting onto the ballot. And filing that is really the, the, the big process um, that you got to go through in moving forward with your candidacy. What uh, what are some of the components of that packet then that uh, these candidates need to know about? Yeah, so the the, the main uh, uh, information component is what's called the statement of candidacy, and that's basically where you put down you know your basic information, your name as it's going to appear on the ballot. So someone like me, who's Joseph Vito on my birth certificate, I always run as Joe Vito, um, just because it's you know kind of sounds nice and it's easier, you know, you see a lot of different people do that mm-hmm. type of stuff like Proco Joe Moreno was an alderman, he'd always have his name in quotes. So whatever name you want to have on there, um, you have to put on that statement of candidacy. Then you indicate what office you're running for, and then there's just a signature uh, uh, on that statement of candidacy, and that's, of course, a requirement. The second requirement that you need is what's called a statement of economic interests, um, and that needs to be filed with the county clerk, and there's some issues that we can get into with that later. Um, but that document is basically uh, a form you can get online um, through, uh, depending on where you're running, uh, for a lot of Cook County people through the uh, Cook County um, uh, website, uh, through the clerk's website. Uh, basically print it out and, and fill it out and indicate that you are not doing any business or have any affiliations with any entities doing any business with any local units of government. Um, The third component is what's called a loyalty oath. That's optional, but most people fill it out. Um, It's it's just basically an oath that says you're going to be loyal to the United States, to the government, and not, uh, maybe this is a little antiquated, but not to the Communist Party. Um, And then the fourth Hmm. part uh, are the nomination petitions, which is where the, the, the nomination petition sheets which is where a bulk of the headaches come from. 
and what everybody knows when you go to the train station or the grocery store, you stand out and get the signatures, and that's where a lot of the fighting ensues. Yeah, so let's talk about the signatures, because as you say, that, that's well known to people. We, we hear about it a lot. First of all, does each jurisdiction spell out the number of, of qualified signatures that are required for an office? Yeah, well, the, the the most common one is for an, a local a local elected office that's a nonpartisan race, which is basically your village board or your city council, and those okay. are almost all the same uh, in that they require you to get between five and eight percent of the last um, amount of total ballots cast in the last election citywide. So, for instance, uh, currently. Uh, in the upcoming election, April 2nd, and we'll take the village of Wheeling, for example, um, we are running, um, three trustees are running. So we had to look back to the 2017 municipal election in April to see how many people voted in the mayoral and trustee race and then take 5% of that amount and 8% of that amount, and that's the parameter of the signatures that you have to, to get in order to qualify for the ballot. Okay. Now, the, the number is one thing. Are there other relevant factors related to the signatures that you have to adhere to when you're gathering them? Well, sure. Of course, you need to have. They need to be eligible voters for whatever race that you're running for. So, if you're running for uh, Schomburg trustee, they have to be registered voters uh, in the village of Schomburg that can vote in the Schomburg trustee race. If you're running for, you know, District 62 school board in Des Plaines, you have to live in District 62 and be a registered voter. Um, that's mainly um, the one requirement for the for people uh, to sign the petitions. Passing around the petitions is another issue. Um, you, you normally can't um, pass around uh, petitions for um, more than uh, three of the of the can or sign uh, petitions for more than. Uh, the amount of open seats there are for any office. So if there's three trustees, uh, three trustee seats open, you can't sign four different candidates' petitions. Um, an, another um, uh, issue that comes up is um, signing your own petition. I've seen some people complain about that. I, I think the case law is a little iffy on it, uh, but I would just avoid signing your own petition if you're passing it around. Um, another major requirement is making sure that they're all notarized uh, by the person that was passing them out. And I can get into that in a little more detail. So if you have a volunteer passing around petition papers and getting signatures, uh, you want to make sure that that volunteer is actually the person that went to uh, get the signatures and actually witnessed the signatures and that that person is the one who signs and notarized the bottom of the petition. Because some people will just take a bunch of petition papers give them out to all their friends, have them get signatures, and then get them all back, and that one person will sign off on all of them, even though he or she didn't witness the signatures, and that could be a ground to bounce the signatures. We've heard a lot about challenges to signatures. Uh, you've been involved in representing candidates, um, and we'll talk about some other challenges that can come up. But focusing on signatures, uh, does the – County clerk or election board of some sort review these? Are they the ones who might challenge, or is it other candidates? Can anybody raise a challenge against signatures? How does that work? Yeah, anybody can raise a challenge uh, against the signatures. Of course, it's almost always the candidate or 
you know, someone working as an operative of uh, the opposing mm -hmm. candidate's campaign. Your regular, you know, Joe who's just going to vote in the election normally isn't going to challenge someone on the ballot unless they have a vested interest in knocking that person off. So that's normally who, who challenges the, the signatures. Then the challenge goes to the electoral board, which in most towns consists of uh, a partial village board with the village president or mayor, the city clerk, and then the senior trustee or councilman uh, serving as a three-panel um, board to hear these types of cases. Um, one other point I wanted to make, Jim, on that 5 to 8 percent um, mm -hmm. amount of signatures from the last amount of uh, ballots cast in the last election, um, you want to make sure you kind of land in the middle of, of that amount. If you go over, I've, I've recently won a case where if you go over, um, you'll probably be okay. But when, you, when you're in these races, you don't want to go over and give anyone a reason to challenge you so you have to go through the process, even though you may win. So know what that 5% number is. Know what that 8% number is. And get close to that 8% number, but do not go over. Uh, even though I think the case law is pretty clear you can go over, you don't want to um, because you're going to end up with a challenge. And, and the reason that they put that 8% cap on is so that the, the board reviewing all these signatures can basically not consider anything past that 8% and not have to go through, if you put you know another 20,000 signatures after that, not have to go through all of them if your first 8% were completely invalid. So just kind of a tip there, get in between that 5 and 8%. Don't go over, and obviously don't be under. Well, uh, first time we're talking about this with Attorney Joe Vito of Lavelle Law, and we're not going to get anywhere near all the things we want to get in today, but we'll try and get a few more questions in here on Chicago's Legal Latte. Um, the new practice group at Lavelle Law is there to assist candidates with issues like nominating petitions and signature challenges, campaign financing, uh, disclosure documents, challenges, and such. Uh, you can learn more about it by visiting LaBelleLaw.com or calling Joe at 847-705-7555. Uh, you mentioned that the binder itself. Am I right, Joe? Did you also have a, a challenge recently that you represented someone and just how the, the binder was, was formatted or submitted or things clipped together? Are those things that also get picked apart? Yeah, that's a, that's a common one, the binding of the petition papers. Um, so what the, what the rule says is that they're supposed to be bound – uh, in book form, but the rule doesn't say, you know, the actual binding equipment uh, that is needed. And this is how kind of picky and down to detail these things can get, where, you know, whether you use a staple or a, a two-hole punch or a binder clip uh, could result in a challenge. So what happened in the case that I was representing, um, a, a trustee running in Schomburg, is that he bound his petitions together uh, with a binder clip. And he got challenged on that. But the case law that's out there basically states that as long as you can't pull the pages apart, um, the, the binding should be okay. And the reason that that rule is that way is because they don't want someone at the clerk's office or whoever messing or being able to mess mm -hmm. with the page uh, orders or the binding or um, uh, how the packet is submitted. So they want it to be bound in a fix so it can't be tampered with. So as long as the pages, and I kind of made a quip, I said as long as the pages don't split, you must acquit. Uh, and that's what happened, and everyone kind of laughed, but it's the truth. As long as the pages stick together, you're okay. To avoid all that, I recommend anybody running for office to two-hole punch 
their packets together and put them with what I call an echo clip, which is kind of like a fork clip that forks over and, and binds them together, and they can't be messed with. A staple could fall out, a paper clip's flimsy, mm -hmm. a binder clip could be flimsy. You want to make sure those are put together, and this just kind of, um, uh, this whole process kind of signifies and exemplifies how kind of picky these these candidate petitions yeah. can be and how petty the challenges can be sometimes. And just a couple minutes left here. Uh, quickly, uh, you mentioned the economic or financial forms. Uh, anything else we should know about those? Um, yeah, there's uh, one issue I ran into recently uh, was the filing of the, the statement of economic interest. Um, a lot of towns like Wheeling, uh, um, like Barrington Hills, are in multiple counties. And so you have to file the statement of economic interest technically in the county um, where your village is considered to be domiciled. So a village like Wheeling that has uh, parts in Cook and Lake County, Buffalo Grove, the same way Cook and Lake County, you want to make sure you file that statement of economic interest in the county where your village hall is at, where the, the situs of your government is at. If you don't, it's another reason to, to get challenged. Um, you'll probably win that challenge, but again, you're a first-time candidate in a local election. You want every dollar and every second of every effort focused on your campaign, not before some electoral board on some nitpicky challenge. You're, you're expending time and capital um, that you should be putting towards your campaign, knocking on doors and getting your message out. We, we've not had a chance today to talk about the uh, the challenge process itself and what that entails, and maybe we'll just get you back for another conversation to do that. But uh, before I let you go here, 30 seconds or so, um, it sounds like candidates, you know, there's a lot to do to get it right. Do you recommend, especially now that you've got this practice group in place, that they sort of be proactive and, and get a second set of eyes on things and say, look, this is what I've assembled, go to someone experienced, whether it's, it's you or a, a candidate elsewhere, and say, do I have this right before you before you put that in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it will save you so much time and effort down the road. Um, if you invest a little bit of, you know, preventative uh, maintenance or, or preventative measure uh, to, to get it right in the beginning, you're going to save so much time, money, and just headache on the back end uh, if you avoid any type of challenge. So it's definitely worth your while. Um, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure uh, to go ahead and, and get this uh, right from the get-go so you can spend all your time focusing on your campaign and not before some electoral board or even worse before the circuit court. Uh, many thanks to Joe Vito today. We're going to have to let him go, but uh, great conversation. You get more at lavellelaw.com. Check out the new uh, election law practice group or give him a call. It's 847-705-7555. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to you for listening. <laughs>